All right, guys. So you may have already noticed this week's episode is a little bit different. And I spent a lot of time leading up to this trying to figure out how I was going to open this, what I was going to say. And honestly, I still don't know. I wrote something down. I'm going to go with the best that I can. The reason we are opening this episode the way it is, if you don't know, or maybe something's happened more, I don't know, is because at the time of this recording, our country mourns the death of George Floyd, who was a black man who was murdered by police officers. This has resulted in nationwide protests and escalating violence. Because of this and many other factors, it didn't feel right to open with our usual joke, everything's fine, everything's fun, ha ha ha, darkest timeline. It just didn't feel right, especially as we're watching our country slip into a fascist state. And honestly, I don't feel that's an exaggeration. We here at the Geeks Shield podcast stand in solidarity with the protests and fully endorse the Black Lives Matter movement. We have also donated our entire Patreon earnings to the George Floyd Memorial Fund and encourage you to donate as well if you can. We will have links for all of that in the description below. I will now let my co-host Axel to say whatever he wants before we transition to this week's topic. And hopefully it'll be more upbeat and fun. So, hi, Axel right here. I, uh... I didn't prepare anything. I'm going kind of completely off the cuff here, so sorry if I'm a little haphazard. But I thought it was important, and I'm glad that Org seems to think so too, that I, at least with my own voice as well, say that I endorse everything that Ulrich just said. Like, he put together that statement on his own and sent it to me. So, But I agree with all of that, and I want... And, you know, there's sometimes where, like, Ulrich might speak for us on, on Twitter or something, and I know nothing about it, and, you know, it can be jokey and whatnot, but this is a case where I want to be very clear where both of us stand in regards to what's going on right now. And, you know, not like we're super important or anything, but, you know, solidarity. And I'm not nearly intelligent enough or informed enough to to really comment on on this stuff. So I'm going to try my best for, you know, once we get through this to, you know, have a have a little fun, have a little nice conversation, but yeah, everything he just said and, you know, endorsement and, you know, let's just you know, try to try to make it through this. Yeah, unfortunately, there's nothing we really can say or need to say as two white guys. Honestly, we're not people we're talking to. And I'm I'm still at a loss for words, having almost a week to process everything that's going on, having seen it. I still am just at a loss to be honest i i actually found out about it only like the day before yesterday so i came late to i'm i've been on a quote-unquote vacation visiting wretched giraffe so i haven't been online for a while so this kind of just hit me very recently and like i said i'm not i'm not nearly informed enough to to go into this kind of stuff like i'm fine having like conversations of philosophy with my friends or something but i'm not gonna claim i'm not going to have the audacity to make any sort of statement here just you know be informed yourself do what you feel is right and we are, we with shields are siding with the, the protesters there's our stance so well anyway i think uh, at that point we're gonna we're gonna try to transition to a 
something closer to a regular episode. We're we're gonna do something kind of light this time, but you know, uh, doesn't invalidate anything we just said. That's why we wanted to just start this recording with it. So, yep. So moving into lighter topics, we're going to do a conversation that Axel had suggested. So I'll let him uh, lead us in. Uh, so this is. It's been a while since we did a really, really loose conversation. And by that, I mean we have loosened up our how we structure episodes in the last year. Like we used to be a lot more scripted and we've kind of gone towards more like bullet points. But but this one was even like not even that. I just thought, hey, we did that one episode on music a while back with uh, my friend Stevie. He came on. We reviewed some albums and stuff. And I thought. Well, in, in a, a fun, light conversation would be to just talk about music and not even like in any particular direction. Just, you know, me and Ulrich, what are our music tastes? Where do we come from? Yes, this is this sounds very self-indulgent when I'm describing it, but it's just a matter of like, hey, what what about music's a really important part of life? Like, I think that music is such an intrinsic part of how we live not even as humans, but as like just living creatures. And I feel like it's a topic that has been maybe unfairly overlooked in our, uh, you know, in our catalog so far, you know? To be fair, it's mostly on me in that I am not particularly a music person. I enjoy music. I have bands and artists I love, but most of the time I don't have a lot to say about music. But considering everything that's happened this week, I figured something light and fun that makes me happy was a necessity. And talking about 40K really did not feel appropriate. So I went with yeah. some of the other things that elicits positive emotions in me. So then let's let's start off, because uh, there's no direction for this. Let's, let's start off then. Um, let's aim it at you. So what is your earliest musical memory i have an answer for this this is why i'm 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 doing that thing that i hate when people do sometimes where i'm asking you a question because i have an answer for it but don't worry about that i just want to hear your answer right now musically as in you know all the childhood stuff we heard or the first time that i heard a band and had a connection with the band i'm gonna say the first uh Let's do both. Let's start off with just the first memory you have where you recognize the thing you were hearing as music, like as a concept. And then secondly, the first time you like really connected with something. In my case, they're the same thing, but I yeah, recognize see that the first question. Like I recognize music, like, well, I know like at four years old, you know, the preschool and all the songs and stuff. But I don't think I counted as music, so I'll skip over that question, but I think, oh, the first time that I connected with a band, this, this is going to be really fun because I feel like it's really obscure. I was like six or seven years old listening to the presidents of the United States of America on cassette with my brothers of their song Lump. Lump? Yep. You, I, I admit I was surprised already that the the first band you mentioned is one i'm very little knowledge about like i don't consider myself like super knowledgeable but you know i it just surprises me like i've heard about the presence uh, before but i uh i've not actually like listened to their music really i've heard a they couple got a songs, pretty but... good catalog and yeah that's why i went early this morning i was six seven 
going to school with my brothers. They were playing the cassette for the presidents. And there was, it was like one of the songs that played that stuck in my head, along with some other, other you know, great ones of Peaches, Dune Buggy, and all those great 90s alt-rock. Because the 90s were, you know, the 90s, we had hope in the 90s. That's <laughs> uh, because nothing was going on in the 90s. People have, I mean, again, more intelligent people on the internet than me have pointed out that one of the things that makes the 90s interesting is that, um, at least in the West, there wasn't really anything happening. <laughs> at least not, you know, I mean, prosperity. there was. Yeah, I mean, there were things happening, but in like comparatively to the aughts and the 80s, it's not a whole lot. <laughs> so. No, so you got really weird experimental bands. Like the presidents who sing about peaches and little spider-sized dune buggies and how they're not going to make it as a band and it's okay. Yeah, I suppose so. I, I always thought that uh, it was a, for lack of a better term, a disappointment that a, a a band in, or that Rage Against the Machines didn't make it into the aughts because I feel like they would have had a lot to say. But something like the presidents is a very different part of that conversation, so... I, we might have to do a Gone But Not Forgotten about them because I'm curious if any of our listeners are going to know who they are going to be like, oh, I listened to the presidents. By the way, there was a, a, a total reference to them in Steven Universe. I'll tell you about it later. But <laughs> Oh, man, that's cool. Well, yeah, um, my my memory that I like, – the reason that I thought of this question is just because it's the story I tell people. Um, the earliest memory I have where I recognize what I was listening to as music because, you know, how my memories form. I was in the car and my my mother was driving and there was a cassette in the, the car that was playing Master of Puppets by Metallica. <laughs> I was probably about three or four and so I was just old enough to, like, really form memories i can think now and recognize like what i was listening to was something really cool of course i didn't have the language back then to describe what i liked but it's a big part of the reason why growing up i became or i was a metalhead my first musical memory was a metallica song and kind of the quintessential metallica song to be specific <laughs> i feel like we have a lot of angry metalheads yelling at us that metallica isn't metal uh i don't want to get into pedantics wrong. I mean, we're not here to argue about that, guys. There's, there's bigger things going uh, on. But here, si- side note, if you want to argue that Metallica at one point became more like alternative rock with albums like Load and Reload, you know what? There's an argument to be had. I don't think that it's a completely invalid argument. But to say Metallica as a band, especially era Master of Puppets, is not metal is inherently just demonstrably incorrect so i can't imagine that from anyone so i'm just saying anyway. I, I feel like metal fans have better things to argue about than the uh whether metallica is metal or not i mean there, there's a lot of better arguments you could have well just you pointed out before that metal as a genre has more subgenres than most well-known genres anyway it's, with, it's fascinating like it, and like there are only subcultures within metal to yeah to like folk metal which is one of look, my favorites. Yeah, look up if you if you haven't looked up folk metal, look up folk metal and just be amazed at the uh complexity of the genre of music which a lot of people write off as just loud music with screaming. And to and for the record, Ulrich, uh most uh, most purveyors of of metal or at least publish uh, like published articles and whatnot that I've seen uh, lump Metallica very specifically into the heavy and thrash metal genres. So depending on what I'm you're looking just, at. 
acting devil playing. I don't want to say devil's advocate because if seriously, if you're trolling us in the comments, I want nothing to do with you. I'm just, you know, getting ahead of the comments, shall we say. Okay, fair enough. See, we, we talked so, about it. We addressed your concerns over Metallica. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're literally one of the big four metal bands. I mean, you got to talk about them if you're talking about metal at some point. Anyway, so for me, that was a big that the huge influence growing up. I mean, my mother has Slayer tattooed on her arm and she used to go to the Slayer console all the time before I was born. And so I grew up on primarily Metallica and Slayer and a lot of Led Zeppelin, although I didn't actually really get into them until I was in my early teens because they were kind of slower and I started expanding a bit more. But even then in high school, I was really pretentious. I was like, you know, 70s rock and 80s metal and that's it. So if your earliest memory was the president's, I'm curious how you feel like that colored your, like how your taste in music evolved as you grew older. See, that's the funny thing. Like the president's is my earliest like recollection of a band knowing the name, recognizing it. And I mean, that might lead people to think that, Oh, I'm really into alt rock and nineties rock. And no, I was more heavily shaped by my father's taste in music which is 60s and 70s classic rock mostly because he lived a good chunk of it and so that's what we listened to so let's say i I find in my experience like i have a very strong memory of getting my first cd player uh when i was i think 12 i think my my uh, my mother took me to the mall and we went to uh there was some little store in the mall called like sun records i don't remember but and she got me a CD player, and Metallica's Black Album, Linkin Park's Hybrid Theory, and uh, Led Zeppelin's Greatest Hits, I think, were the three CDs I started with. The reason I bring this up is because that means that up until that point, I didn't, like, seek music. Music was just a thing that was a part of my life. But then I was like, I want a CD. I'm having to go to the bus every day, and I want to have something to listen to while I'm riding the 30-minute bus ride to, to school. And I feel like in my experience, that is uh, up to that up to recently, because now with the predominance of smartphones and iPods and stuff, I feel like the the age has gone younger. But at least for me and you and our peers, I feel like 12, you know, like 11 to 13, like that's the age where you start if you're going to seek out specific music, like that's where it really starts happening. Would you say that's correct? Yeah, because mine was I think I was 15. And it was only because we had recently gotten, you know, internet and computers and my dad discovered he could download all of his favorite music onto his computer and then burn CDs because my dad had long ago destroyed his CDs and vinyl just by nature of my dad. Uh So I would get these, you know, burn CDs that he would just write my name or a band on Hmm. there that was an eclectic collection of here's some Grateful Dead, here's some Doors, here's some Donovan, here's this weird uh, experimental rock I found that I kind of like, and it got like, okay, this is cool, and I've kind of formed it, and then like around 15, like, okay, I want my own music, I'm going to, you know, pick out what I want, and I remember rating his CD collection for what was, you know, still good, of bands I liked, and then I started making it was like, okay, these are the bands I want to get more of, and I remember like, one of the first ones I got was a collection of Beatles music. And that's when I became a huge Beatles fan. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because for me, right, like I, I've gotten a lot more into uh, more, more varied genres of music. But even with my when I was at my most pretentious phase, 
which I was mostly focused on Led Zeppelin. The Beatles was always a thing that for me was, how do I put this? The Beatles was kind of like the Godfather or Citizen Kane for me in that it was something, maybe Citizen Kane's a better example because I know you love the Godfather, uh, but it was something that I respected and I understood was really good. And if it came on, I didn't like, you know, shy away from it, but it was never something I actively sought out. I don't have a reason why. I mean, the Beatles are one of the most varied acts that ever existed, like depending on what span of like two years you look at in their career, their music could sound drastically different. So, And I think that's why I gravitated to them also because that was like, my dad was a Rolling Stones fan. My mom was an Alice Cooper Queen fan. So my way of musical rebellion was going with the Beatles <laughs> because it existed outside of these two big ones. And I still love, you know, both. Alice Cooper. I love I love all that classic stuff. Honestly, I'm I'm gonna get a lot of heat. Not a huge Led Zeppelin fan. That's fine. I mean, yes, the classic rock snobs are will, will jump down your throat. It would, and if I was in high school, I probably would have been more like, "What is wrong with you?" But it, it, see, here's the thing about about Zeppelin that I've come. I still love Zeppelin. I don't consider myself moved into a home until my hermit poster is up on my my ba- my bedroom <laughs> door. Like that's just a requirement. But I also get that a lot of '70s rock. Um, which, you know, there are people that say, like, 70s rock is the pinnacle of music. Uh, the Simpsons made the same, made that joke with yeah. Homer. Um, but a lot of 70s rock actually sounds very similar to each other, and that's really just a an attribute of, like, the, the how that scene worked and what was going on in music and whatnot. So, to me, Led Zeppelin was just, like, the, the diluted, the opposite of diluted, like, concentrated version of it and it was like this is for me i'm going to choose like one primary band from this era that i'm going to listen to and if you're out there and you're like uh, i listen to more of the eagles or something which is a weird uh, that comparison happens a lot like yeah i'm not gonna blame you like i, I, I get it so it, it, it took me a while to figure out why led zeppelin didn't work for me and it finally came down to like i have a similar problem with Jimi hendrix i respect both of them as artists they've done incredible work and I still like their, some of their music. My problem was I discovered that they both tend to meander. I don't. I'm not interested in 15 minute guitar solos or songs that just kind of go on and on and on and on and on. Yeah, no, and with the exception of uh, <laughs> which is interesting because I also like Bob Dylan. But Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan, I take in small doses. Well, though, that's an important thing. The idea of doses too. I remember when uh, when I was I think about 15 or 16, I discovered Tool. For the first time, a friend of mine from San Diego was was listening to Tool in a Perfect Circle, and uh, he sent me some albums. Like he made them and sent them to me. And I remember thinking, I like every song on this album. I can't listen to more than one of them at a time, though, because Tool yeah. is just really intense, you know. So. Uh, that's me and the Moody Blues. Like I love the Moody Blues, but it's like one song per playlist. Yeah, because. Even then, it's like, oh, God, you're still going on. I mean, this is really cool, really great metatextual shit, but I need something upbeat and uplifting. Well, it's funny. You mentioned uh, that your, your, your rebellion, kind of, to your parents was the Beatles. Well, I mentioned, right, that my mother, you know, I was mostly just raised with my mother. She listened to a lot of heavy metal in thrash metal, Slayer primarily. But she also listened to a lot of things like Natalie Merchant and a lot of Alanis Morissette which I didn't <laughs> care for back then, but now I adore Alanis's work. But really? anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm actually a big fan of Alanis Morissette. Anyway, but you know what my 
I didn't really rebel directly, but you know the music I did listen to that was kind of in direct opposition to that, and even in direct opposition to my own music snob tendencies in high school? I'm running the gambit in my head, and I'm trying to think what it could be. I've already mentioned it once before in a semi-recent recording. <laughs> they all blend together. It was uh, 80s alternative, or oh, I should say funny. 80s new wave, because I listened to a lot of Oingo Boingo in high school. <laughs> <laughs> and a few, I don't like and a few the 80s. other. See, I I developed a, a, an intense love for the weirdness of the eighties, especially the like I in in high school I developed a big love of Oingo Boingo and Michael Jackson. And I know Michael Jackson wasn't new wave; he was actually pretty standard in in the eighties. But that eighties sound of that like that bigness and those synths and things like uh, Aha and and Flock of Seagulls and whatnot. Like I I got a <laughs> lot of that. Yeah, but again, it was comparatively a minority. Like, again, most of the time I was listening to uh, Metallica because I had, like, every Metallica album. And every now and then, you know, Linkin Park because I had Hybrid Theory, just that album, but it was a really good album. But every now and then, right, like, I'm, I'm there at school with – I literally had a cassette player just so I could play the my mom's old Oingo Boingo cassette, which is really funny because already, you know, iPod 4 existed, so all my friends had, had the iPods, and I'm with the cassette player, so – I was still CD player up until a long time because I just didn't want to learn how to use the new technology. I did get tired of the CD player skipping because I was oh, yeah. you know, walking. Or, or uh, running. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. Even the anti-skip ones still, or they get scratched. No, CD's not, no I distinctly remember because you made me think about it now. I remember going through the decades, like pushing through more of the 70s stuff, like, oh, this is pretty good. Oh, I like this. And then getting into the 80s, like, oh. No, I don't, I don't like this at all. This is this is not good. Well, I mean, the 80s Kiss, was very different. <laughs> Kiss sneaks in there, but I don't know if Kiss really is of the same. Well, here's the thing. The 80s was a really big time for glam rock and stadium rock, yeah. which is where we get... Uh, I mean, I know some of these bands I'm going to list actually started in the 70s. Um, things like the Scorpions, you know, but like in, in Kansas. And of course, Kiss being like a great example. But because the 80s was all about bigness everything being big and and vibrant and like nothing is subtle the the opposite of subtle that's kind of yep. what i love about it but it, it is very very different <laughs> yeah no i don't know like it's kind of i remember kiss scared the hell out of me whenever someone on tv as a kid because that was just very striking imagery to say the least primarily what was going on there was because i i i'm of the opinion right that again i remember i listened to slayer growing up so i i'd hear kiss's music and i would see them uh you know in videos and that didn't it didn't gel for me i was like the way you look didn't match the music they were putting out in in my mind and yeah i felt like it should have been much no, harder that, that very much fits so now i remember i came to kiss like much like in my late teens i was like oh kiss is awesome and then somehow i stumbled across tom petty i don't know how I came across Tom Petty. I think that might have just been general music searching, but that was my jam senior year was Tom Petty. I mean, I'm going to say right now, I've never known you were a Tom Petty fan, but the second you said it, I was very not surprised. It just really sounds like you. So, Oh man, I fucking love Tom Petty. I mean, 
Uh, I had a couple friends in high school. Like they both played guitar. They learned all the Tom Petty songs. We sang around. I wanted, he had a friend. He learned harmonica to do Last Dance with Mary Jane, which I always love blowing people's minds. That, that song is not what you think it is about at all. What would you say it's about? Everyone thinks it's a song about, you know, weed and whatnot. Obvious, easy translation. But if you listen to the lyrics or watch the uh, music video, it's about a guy's last dance with a girl he met in high school's dead body. Well, that's, I mean, I think you could argue that metaphors are, but anyway, yes, (laughs) interpretation is important. Yes, but it's really all about, you know, this girl, she had this, you know, real tragic life, and the one last dance is, and that life ended tragically short. Well, it probably doesn't help the back song on it, itself sounds like the kind of thing you listen to high. Like, I love that song, <laughs> but, it's got a, but it's got a very, like, very relaxed flow that feels like the kind of thing you That's a lot of sit- Tom Petty. Tom Petty was very relaxed. Yeah. I mean, it's my point. <laughs> and I don't know, like I said, I love, like, Tom, it, uh, senior year, I had, like, two or three bands on repeat for me it was tom petty flogging molly and then this is the one that always makes people go holy shit bob marley yeah, i mean that is a little surprising coming from you but i not I really actually now that you mentioned you're really in the 60s rock so bob marley and that different from that so now bob marley i got with like a friend really early on she suggested like hey i know you're into all this classic rock and stuff i think you should check out bob marley and i'll admit the first time i tried bob marley like oh this this is not for me this is just no and then i I, found some of his later stuff and i learned more about him and i became a big bob marley fan i will say you touched on something that i wanted i wanted to touch on which is where our lives intersect and it's actually musically because right around the time a little bit before i met you i started getting into uh the idea of my Irish heritage, but I was very early on in like getting into it because I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm Celtic and German and little native. And I was just, you know, in high school, I'm just kind of starting to explore that stuff. And then I meet you and you put on our, literally the first day we met, we're driving to this thing we're going to, uh, cause our, our dates were friends. If for anyone who's heard that story before, and you put on a, a couple songs, one by Floggy Molly and the one that really stood with me was one by Gaelic Storm, which was called Johnny oh, Jump Gaelic Up. Gaelic Storm. No, you keep messing up. It was Johnny Tar. Johnny Tar. Yeah, sorry. I, I always mix up the two Johnny songs. But yeah, yep. it was Johnny Tar. But point is, like, I didn't really have experience with Irish music yet, but you, but you showed it to me right at the time when I was just getting into that that culture in general. So, and I mean, yes, Gaelic Storm is a California band, uh, you know, but they they sing. Uh, old they Irish standards that, and yeah, they were in that weird when Celtic rock was trying to take off. Yeah, I don't think it I ever mean, did. I mean, they were on the Titanic soundtrack. That's that's something. were they? So, oh, wow. Yeah, they're actually. Um, oh, I only know that because it keeps popping up in my Pandora. But I don't. It's literally called the Titanic set. It's not like a special set. It's like a song they wrote for the the scene. But anyway, so yeah, I got uh, really into to Irish themed music it would be a few years before i'd start getting into like actual older irish standards things like the dubliners and whatnot back then i was listening to mostly flogging molly and gaelic storm with a bit of dropkick murphy's like thrown in uh but that was where like our lives happened across so i just thought that was an interesting like i think it's hilarious because you went the inverse of uh, me 
I started, you know, with the old, the Dubliners, the Chieftains, that stuff, because again, my dad handed me a random CD of music he thought I'd like. And that led me into more of, you know, the old classic Celtic music into the Celtic rock, which never really struck a chord with me to finding Flogging Molly and going, oh, this, this, this works. And ironically, I fell into Flogging Molly right at their peak when I was in high school and everyone... Well, people knew who Flogging Molly was. I'm not say everyone listened to Flogging Molly. Everyone was knew. aware of them, though. Yes. They were, you know... People always mix them and Dropkick Murphy up, and that was always a sticking point. Like, no, they're not Dropkick that's really, Murphy. It's really weird to me because their vocals are so drastically different. I was never... I, I was I was very much lukewarm on Dropkick Murphy's because of that. So that's just... Mm-hmm. So. No, it always bugged me as a drop as a Flogging Molly fan. Like, no, we're they're not that band. They're they're the better version of that band. Which I mean, I'm not saying that's my taste, stance but, now. I'm yeah. not saying that's my stance now. I'm saying that was what I said then. And my first concert was actually a Flogging Molly concert in a really tiny venue. Didn't you tell was, me that you by the end of that your shirt was a hundred percent drenched in beer? <laughs> Beer, sweat, yeah, it was no, that was a great uh concert. I got to I got in a snowball fight with the bassist. <laughs> cool. I carried the lead guitarist on my shoulder when he jumped off the stage at the end. Um, you're a big guy, so yeah. Yeah. And I was like maybe ten feet from the band for most of the show. <laughs> but I do think it's funny that you point out that we went opposite because that is very true now that you now that you point it out like that, because nowadays, like Flogging Molly and Gaelic Storm pop up on my Pandora every now and then because of my my taste. But if I'm listening to Irish music, most of the time I'm listening to the High Kings or the Dubliners or uh, Darby O'Gill and the Little People, which (laughs) is a movie, but it's also a band that is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if they actually. It's funny because I'm I'm still unsure if they actually have that last part that and the Little People, but I've seen it both with and without, and I think people are just mixing it up with the movie. But Darby O'Gill is this group that will do a lot of like old uh, Irish standards. I don't. I think some of these are old Irish standards. Some of them I'm not sure about because I've I've heard them do the things like Seven Drunken Nights and whatnot. But I've also heard them do things like uh, Tim Finnegan's Wake, which is so funny and amazing, and the Rattlin Bog, which is just impressive. It's not like Thor hates that song. I love the Rattlin' Bog. No, it's <laughs> especially crazy. It's like it just keeps going. Like yeah, and yeah. But if you haven't heard, uh, if you haven't heard Darby O'Gill do a live version of the Rattlin' Bog, and Darby O'Gill is way better live. Like, which is why most of their songs on recordings are actually just them doing live recordings in like pubs. So it's wonderful. But anyway, my point is that I started from the 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 more modern and kind of rock centric things like Flogging Molly and Get Storm, and then I moved into you know the older things, and you seem to have gone in the opposite direction as you pointed out, and I think that's really neat. I like that. <laughs> it still really depends on my mood. Like my big core uh, music tastes nowadays are classic rock, old you know Irish staples, be they pu- mostly pub songs and drinking songs, and then if I need to you know typically on my drive home I put on Flogging Molly and you know crank the speakers because it's the only way I get through traffic. There was this one song that uh, was not Irish, uh, and it was actually kind of problematic when you get right down to it. But I didn't realize at the time. I just, but I memorized it in high school. It's one of those things that I sang with my friends all the time, called uh, "Another Irish Drinking Song" by Yeah, I remember this one. Something Notebook, like Notebook is in their name. I don't remember, but it's just about. It's this guy singing about all the various members of a family that died and how they died. And that we're just drinking for them. And 
again, I actually don't know anything about the band. I don't. I, I, I bet they're not actually Irish based on my current knowledge. But I, you know, if someone told me I'm wrong, I, I wouldn't fight them. But uh, it was just one of those really fun. I got really into this idea of like, I'm not a good singer. I don't have a good singing voice. I can carry a tune, but I don't have a good voice for it. I just find it enjoyable. So I'd find these ridiculous songs like uh, uh, the Ultimate Showdown when that was really big. And oh and yeah, and God, mem- that was the time. Yeah, and I just memorized that, and then me and like my closest friends would just like yeah, at lunch or while walking, we just sing this nonsense. It was it's good times. <laughs> but I remember another Irish drinking song. And the first time you sang it to me, I said it's an okay song, but it's a terrible drinking song. And you said why? It's too many words. That's true. And then you taught me, uh, you taught me seven drunken nights, which is yep, a because that much... is the best is the best and worst Irish drinking song there is. It's the that. it's the worst because if you've been drinking to any amount and anyone that has drank with me and sang this can testify, it gets real hard. Remember what day you're on. See, I always thought that because the other you you taught me Ulrich taught me specifically two songs, uh, only two. But and when I say taught, I mean he actually like sang them out for me and we went through them just while hanging out. And one of them was Seven Dragon Nights, which was really easy because I was sober. And Seven Dragon Nights is a very simple song if you ever heard it. The other one. Less so, which is whiskey in the jar. And I know that there's a contingent of people like me who oh. first heard that song as a Metallica cover. Back to Metallica. Yeah. Uh, which is fine. It's an okay cover. Eh. But it is. then hearing the original, though, and then, like, I'd never memorized the words. And then, you know, you had me learn the words. And that, I'm like, I have a hard time with that without being inebriated so that one surprises me a bit but i got the impression around this time that with a lot of irish drinking songs you'll have one person who knows it back to front no matter how drunk they are and as long as your chorus is singable then the pub joins in for the chorus you know yep that's why seven drunken nights works is because it has a chorus and you know the chorus is real easy but God help you trying to remember those days drunk. And I've, I've had drunken arguments like, Monday, you're on Tuesday. I'm on whatever fucking day I want to be on. <laughs> As I come home. Anyway, I'm not, <laughs> not going to sing it right now. Get taken down or make your ears bleed. So <laughs> just go look up uh, Seven Drunken Nights. And if you can, find the full version. It's really hard to find the full version because most, most of them admit either Saturday or Sunday or both. Yeah, here's the thing. Uh, yeah, exactly. Said if you look it up, very high chance you're gonna find the song goes from Monday to Friday. There are verses for Saturday and Sunday. Some people will go to Saturday, and almost no one will go to Sunday because those two verses are very, very risque. Like, like the kind of thing that the the term "talking like a sailor" comes from, because this would be like sailors singing this this stuff. So, Which I think is funny because Saturday's way dirtier than Sunday. Sunday's kind of got some cheekiness to it. Saturday. Depending on the verse. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> I mean, it's wonderful, but it's it's dirty. So anyway, so so yeah, so high school, right? We're listening to a lot of Irish music. I mean, if me and you were hanging together, usually we weren't listening to music. We were watching movies, but at the times where we were like in a car, like that's what we were listening to was things like Flaggy Molly and Gaelic Storm, usually. So yep. now in, in my case... I got to college, and I didn't actually have really good access to internet until I went to college. My entire time in high school, because I, you know, my family was pretty poor. Like, my mom's a waitress, and so it just, it wasn't anything, I didn't have a good computer. I had an okay computer, but I basically just used it to play Diablo 2, which is all I could do. I didn't 
have the only internet we had was like old dial up. I still use a, a, a net zero email account because of that. So, and so, but then I got to college and I had a, my grandparents gifted me a laptop to, to have for college. And so then with my college Wi-Fi and my, you know, brand new laptop, I was able to like really get, understand what the internet is finally. And because of that, I you know discovered a number of, of things, but one of the biggest and most important things for me was finding a, a YouTuber uh, named Todd in the Shadows, who you know is pretty he's YouTube famous at this point. He's just this music reviewer who reviews pop songs, like actual uh, top one hundred hits pop songs. Which of course in high school I was I hateful of. <laughs> it's like oh it's garbage and it's not real music. It was dismissive. But then listening to him talk about these things, these, these songs. And I got a greater understanding of what was going on. And it like really kind of expanded my, my mind, which it sounds itself kind of, you know, pretentious, but I don't know how else to say that. I, I got a lot you were, less. You had a uh, better understanding. Yeah. I don't say I had a better understanding. I wasn't being dismissive. I started experimenting more. I got really into EDM in early college, something that I hated back in, in high school, but I started oh, I still like, hate it. I don't get it. It's dance music. It's, it's, it has the same appeal in a lot of times as disco. Another thing oh, I that hate I disco. see, I, I love disco now. I hated it in high school, but now I love it because dance music is one of those things that like now that I've, I've been to dances and dance with people, I, I get it. I, it's fun anyway. So, and then uh, rap took a little bit longer. It basically, I I had the regular mm, my experience of like, oh Eminem or whatever. But I didn't really appreciate rap until until Kendrick Lamar hit the scene, and he opened my mind to to rap entirely. And now I'm a lot. I'm still not a huge fan of rap in general, but I'm a lot more open to what I can do. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, you've been much more receptive to new music than I have. I was, I was thinking like there have maybe been two or three bands that have been added to my shuffle playlist, repertoire, whatever you want to call it in the last decade. Yeah. Whereas now, like, you know what I've been listening to this last week, Halsey and the weekend, like exclusively, like the weekends, uh, a blinding light song is so retro and amazing. We've been listening to it on loop and Halsey. I love her entire discography. So, but again, these are like the things that I, you know, I, I think that that kind of evolution or not evolution is the right word. That kind of like change was really healthy for me. I'm not saying that you not changing is not healthy. I don't know enough about your we don't talk music usually. That's kind of the point of this this recording. So like, why do you think, for instance, I know that I've read somewhere that for the most part in a majority of people, whatever music you're into when you're like 21 is very likely the music that you're going to just stay into and that it's hard for people to shift after that. I, I've been told. I don't know if the truth I've never really been big into contemporary music. Even when I was younger and NSYNC and Britney Spears and Backstreet Boys and the whole pop thing was a genre that never really worked for me. That wasn't something I liked. And I think, I mean, part of my love of classic rock comes from the fact that that's what I was exposed to constantly every day on the ride to and from school. Mm-hmm. And part of it was, I think that kind of stuck with me, was there was a story to those. There was a very clear, well, clear-ish. I mean, there was metaphor and subtext, but still 
most of the time they were stories that I could follow and I could see the things in my head. And so that worked. And then pretty much all of my music tastes that I've, you know, gotten from later on have all kind of come from pre-existing. Like, you know, my whole rock thing has gone off and done kind of thing. Uh, Floggy Molly I came to because of my Irish thing. Bob Marley's a weird outlier in a sense because reggae is not like anything else I listen to. Well, it, it probably doesn't help that the music that you're describing is... There are bands that still exist or that come to prominence that do that kind of thing, but they aren't in the the limelight anymore, so it's more difficult to find them. That's why the indie rock scene exists for, for things like that. It's how you get your, you know, your Kings of Leon and, and stuff like that, but it's not as easy to find them. And a lot of times when you do or they do break through, it tends to be like, you know, very one thing like with uh, um what was the band that did pumped up kicks i don't remember but that was like an ex- an example or uh, or fun who are basically just queen and yes i took that observation from uh, well a less good version of queen <laughs> but anyway from from todd but point is that you have to like really stay in the scene in order to find new versions of the genres you've described that you're into so that makes it kind of hard for you to find new artists without yeah. actively seeking it. And since you're not like music's not your primary thing, it's just a thing for you. So you probably don't go and seek out new things. No, I'm very Teutonic in that I like what I like and I typically don't stray from that routine of things that I like. I mean, like, like I, I got I, I had a roommate for a while in the mid aughts that was a huge die hard metal fan and he tried his hardest to get me into metal he exposed me to all sorts of different types of metal and the only one that ever really stuck was uh i'm on a marth surprising no one definitely not for the record at, at this current point in my life my favorite genre of music and i'm not saying the best in fact i think it is objectively a weaker genre than plenty of other things i'm into but my personal favorite is power metal my favorite band is helian prime which is this uh this power metal band from i believe seattle that sings about space and science fiction and stuff like that but other bands like dark moor which is the spanish power metal band and nightwish particularly nightwish with a second singer i know that, that will get me executed in some circles because people were like oh the second singer is the least whatever i like that singer a lot but and even dragon force yes a lot of dragon force stuff sounds extremely the same as each other but you know putting one or two of them in my power metal playlist is you know it's a good pump up but and anyway that tends to be my favorite genre right now at this moment. And even then, Oric and I have, uh, I never tried to get you into metals. I only tried to get you into a kind of music one time ever, and it, it didn't work, which was when I got for a while into druidic music, which is folky. It's kind of like folk music, but with a, um, kind of a modern edge. Like, the, the band that introduced me to the concept was Omnia, but they weren't the only band I was listening to. So I, I remember trying to show you that, and you really weren't into it. I think your reasoning was just that it was, like, it felt like they were trying too hard to you. Like, I think it, I think it hit the same I, buttons I have, that you have with Wicca. I, yeah, I, I have very vague memories of that. Because that briefly led to an interest in the band. I'm going to butcher the name. Iluverte? Ilu- El, Elvedi. Elvedi, yeah. who was... 
one of my favorite bands. I saw them live. I got a hat. I got a picture with the lead singer. Elvedi is Celtic folk death metal, and they are fascinating. But anyway. Yeah, no, that one didn't stick for me. I, I try. I was a brief one. I, I, I thought, but in that whole thing, like I really, I found. I don't know if you showed me Tear or I found Tear through an offshoot of Amon Amon. No, no. But I, I can tell you exactly what happened there. I shared a video of Tear on like Facebook, but I didn't share it with you directly. I just shared it, and then you commented something like, "Why didn't you show me these guys?" <laughs> that sounds about right. Because yeah, because you were I'm doing Viking metal. That's my Viking metal there. Yeah, Tear's pretty good Viking metal. By the way, just because we brought up Tear, I'm gonna do a quick side thing. If you're out there listening to this and you're one of those people who like protest Tear because of Faroe Island stuff, that's not what we're here to talk about. You wanna have that conversation? I I don't know. I'm not that's don't want to have that conversation, okay? That's a whole oh, other no. thing. No, what have you brought into this? Hey, you were the one who mentioned Tear, man. Do you know what goes on with Tear? What no, I'm talking I just, about? I, I have vague ideas. Okay. I went mostly I know concert. that I like them and their music is cool and it has it's like Amon Amarth, but I'm I'm not gonna leave that sentence because I don't want to anger Amon Amarth fans. Okay, here's no here here's all it is. I'll tell you what it is since you don't know. I went to a Tear concert in Oregon uh, three or four years ago. Like they were coming to the States because they're from the Faroe Islands, this tiny, you know, little country. I was like, cool. Go. And then we got there, me and two of my friends, and there was a protest out front. And I didn't realize what it was about at first, but then I found out because I had already was aware of what they were protesting. It, it turns out it just wasn't something that I. So the Faroe Islands as a country has a thing they do every year where there's a certain kind of whale uh, or porpoise that they hunt. It's a uh, it's like a, a country kind of gets together. They hunt some some several thousand of them. People can volunteer to take part in it. They they beach them. They kill them. They have this very quick way of doing it. Try to be humane, and then the people you know take home the blubber and stuff for food. And they just it's part of the, when you have a country as small as them that doesn't have an agricultural like base. Fishing is a really big thing. Anyway, so these people protesting were like, you know, look at these pictures of these dead whales. This band takes part in this barbaric ritual, and that's what they're protesting. Now, whether you're listening to this and you think something like uh, like that actually is something to protest, I'm not actually going to disagree with you. That's totally on you. I personally think, though, that Tear as a band has zero control over what their entire country chooses to do, and that protesting them for that when you could be protesting like the horrible conditions that most fast food industries in this country have for their cattle and chickens is weird to me because, like, nothing is going to come out of protesting this band. There's they're not on the council that makes this thing happen, they're just. Anyway, sorry. I have no problem with these protesters. It was just a weird, like, okay, I feel like you could be doing something more productive and more important that's in the same wheelhouse with some other shit corporation, but, you know. did not know any of that. Yeah. Anyway, mm. like, it was just something I had to deal with, so. And they had yeah. to deal with it a lot, that coming to the, although they, they came to Portland, Oregon, so I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. The only town that you can get tetanus just by breathing the air. I've never heard that one. So, <laughs> listen, Portland, you're a nice city, but you are just you're you're 
if you've been to Portland, you know what I'm talking about. I, I don't know how to describe it elsewise. It's just a very, yeah, moving on. All right, so moving on. You mentioned that your first concert was Floggy Molly. My first concert was uh, Joan Jett, which was, was unfortunate. Awesome uh, from my perspective, it wasn't very awesome. I felt like, because I've seen live footage of Joan Jett at bigger cities, and like it seems awesome, but at our city, it felt like she wasn't really trying. And again, I don't, I don't know Joan Jett, and maybe she had a bad day, maybe something else was going on. But you know, she came out and she was still fixing her, you know, like stuff, which is that should have been handled before she came out in the first place. And then, anyway, it was fine. It just wasn't. You have what much I more detailed memories of that concert than I do. I mean, well, it's it's kind of faded to the past. Like I remember it was there. I remember Again, it, it was, was it was my birthday. It was also my first concert, so yeah, it it stuck out to me. So okay. uh, yeah, that was just like a concert I went to that was pretty cool in my memory. Yeah, but then I I went and saw uh, about a couple years later I saw Bo Burnham, which was a concert and comedy show that was great. the The first concert I saw though that like I got really really into was Elvady, which was I think my second year of college. My my friend who got me into it, it was like my chem partner. I don't even talk to that guy anymore just because we went different ways. But he invited me to go with him. We got all the way to the front, so we're, like, on the gate. And there were they weren't even the headliners. The headliners were Children of Bodom, who I'm not a big fan of. I think there's speed metal, and speed metal just tends to grate on me. And if you're into speed metal, hey, power to you. It's just it tends to be a little too repetitive for me. But they were the, like, the, the third opener. It was, like, three opening acts and then Children of Bodom. And... So I got right up front for LVD, and then I kind of backed off while Chirner Bodum did their thing. But that was the first concert where, like, I was I was right in the pit, moving with everyone, and and that kind of that would be more of a portent of my future concert like experience because I, I saw um I saw Andrew WK, which was my favorite concert I'd ever been to. Unfortunately, I had no friends with me, like no one else made it, um, so it was just me. But I was the only one like dressed. I dressed as Andrew WK because I had the long hair. I looked like him anyway, and that was awesome. I saw uh. King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, or Wizard Lizard, I always mix that up, but King Gizzard in, in Portland a few years back, and that was the most cramped I've ever been in a concert, like, it really felt like a sardine covered in sweat afterwards, and, yeah, so, you know, had a few good experiences. <laughs> yeah, I've only had the fortune to go to two concerts, and, you know, one was Floggy Molly, and the other was Joan Jett, and it's one part of I have never had money to spend on concerts, and two, I have never been in a geographical location to go to concerts. Oh, I mean, sorry to interrupt you. I also saw uh, Ninja Sex Party in Salt Lake City. That was fun. Anyway, continue. <laughs> there, and Floggy Molly did come to the neighboring city a couple years while I was, you know, in college, but I never had any friends that liked Floggy Molly that were willing to, you know, make the trip up there with me. And it's just like, if you're going alone, it's not as much fun, especially because I wanted to make sure I had a buddy to make sure I got back out. Yeah, well, that's why I was so sad no one came with Andrew WK, because it was it was my favorite concert just from a, like, experience point of view. And I wish that I would have had some friends there to share it with. But, you know, I made the best of it. I made it all the way to the front. I moshed in the pit and the the camera guy was like, hey, because I was dressed like him and yeah, I... It was it was fun time, but yeah, going with people is so much is such an important like part of the experience. I think for concerts and music festivals and stuff like that. And I admit I haven't been to like a full on music festival. I was gonna go to Tree Fort, but it was too expensive, and I'm kind of low on money right now. 
Yeah, no, and I, I think about it now, and it's like, honestly, I don't see myself going to a lot more concerts, namely because most of the bands I like are either long retired, unfortunately passed, or just not touring anymore. Oh. And the most recent band I got into, I don't, I can't imagine what a concert they would do would be like. What was the band? Uh, Wardruna. I've never heard of Wardruna. No, wait, I've seen that. Now that you know I, Wardruna, I, I guarantee you do. I do. I, I can the name now. I I can see it spelled out like on my Pandora. I just can't think of a. Hmm. Okay. They Look. did the uh, theme song, opening theme song to Vikings. Oh. And Lately, they also I've been into Last uh, Kingdom. <laughs> that show is interesting. Anyway, anyway. Yes, it is. I I have. We will talk about that that show at some point because I I have very mixed feelings thus far. Yeah, lately I've been really into Delane. But by the way, I forgot another concert. I finally, at the uh, age of um, like 25, I saw Metallica in concert. I went with my mother, actually. The most expensive concert ticket I've ever done. And I got this this really interesting lesson there. Because Metallica is a band that at that point has been around for 40, 40-ish years, right? So... Compare them to like when I saw I saw uh, Helium Prime in concert, but Helium Prime because they're so new and not, like that was just at this little hole in the wall essential bar in town called the Shredder. There were maybe thirty people in the crowd, maybe, and it was awesome. But compare that then to Metallica where they were at the stadium here. The ticket was literally ten times the cost. And we were, you know, in the middle of like the seats. But whereas going to something like Helium Prime or when Andrew WK was at a music festival, that's when I saw him was at this music festival. Um, and I'm like in the crowd, like dancing and moshing. Metallica, I just sat in my seat and watched the spectacle because they got this crazy stage with like pyrotechnics and and like at one point, like hundreds of screens, like TVs on cubes came down and were like floating around with different things on them. And like, it's not even, a, it's less a concert and more like a crazy show. And I just had that realization of these, there's a, this gulf or uh, these different kinds of experiences of a concert that is like for a, a, you know, just a concert experience versus a show. Like, you know what I mean? I don't even know what I mean. Yeah, just, no, 100%. Just... No, because I just, I think back to, you know, my, Experience going to a Floggy Molly concert and just coming out everyone that was the greatest experience ever because it was such a small venue and because the band was so lively. I mean, Dave King, the lead singer, was almost 50 at the time and he was dancing and playing instruments and just going at it like a madman the entire concert. Hmm. He's a very lively performer. If you haven't watched any of the live stuff they do and just to be like 10 feet from that... It really is like, this is what I want. I And again, I mean, the Joan Jett concert, I have vague memories of it. It may not have been good. But there was definitely a disconnect. She was this far-off figure down in the distance, and it didn't feel the same as being shoulder-to-shoulder with people like 10 feet from the band and actually getting to you know, interact with the band members. All right, so I feel like we've reached a, a kind of point where I think we should kind of start wrapping this up. But I want to I want to put something out there, which is I hadn't actually spoken with Org about this, but because music is this kind of thing that like I love learning more about like music history, right? And and music genres, and I like very much experimentation. The only genre I have a I have the I have the hardest time with country. Even that, I'm not going to say I, I hate. It. Like I love uh, a lot of old country, like Buddy Holly and Patsy Cline yep. and and Willie Nelson. All of that, that is. Outlaw country, maybe, but 
it's it's iffy because like Buddy Holly was basically when country and rock were the same thing. Uh, yeah, I have a. I have a lot of hard time with what I'm going to call the Garth Brooks era of country, which is basically still what's going on now. And not for any particular reason. It just doesn't do anything for me. But well, anyway, reasons, but we're not here for that. Yeah, my point I'm getting to is, Ulrich, you've made it a point that you generally don't seek out new kinds of music. I don't like really seek out other than I, I like watch Anthony Fantano and I watch Todd in the Shadows and... I listen to the radio for like, you know, t- different stations and stuff. So if you're listening to this and you are more of a music person, you've heard a, a very um, foundational surface level description of our music tastes. So if you have something to recommend to us, uh, something new, you know, maybe we can give it a listen. Maybe we can do a buckler or something on it. I don't know. I think it's an interesting idea. So mm, I'm open to it. And I mean, the way these things work is. If you want more, show us in the numbers. That That's basically how we dictate a lot of what we do. If people like it, we do more of it. If people don't like it, we typically don't do more of it unless we really like it. And then we say, screw you guys, we're doing this anyways. <laughs> I think that's an important kind of a genuineness. But anyway, uh, I'm, I'm going to move us on. Uh, we, we aren't going to do suggestions of the week. We're not doing our normal, our all our various normal stuff around the episode because – Again, with uh, what's going on in our country, we're just going to, instead of doing suggestions, instead of doing, you know, all our outro and stuff, uh, we're just going to encourage you to donate to the George Floyd Memorial Fund, your local bail fund, or any any charity that you think is uh, appropriate in this difficult time. And and that that's all. Again, we're leave. going to have links to all of that in the description below. So this has been Lord Turner Ulrich. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time. And remember, Black Lives Matter.